Warning, I've been storing up a lot of profanity over the last couple of weeks. This week's episode of The Skating uh-huh. Atheist, thank you, thank you, is brought to you by Blue Apron, uh-huh. Stamps.com, No, and by what? Middle Earth's favorite Church of Scientology, you know the-, the House of Elrond Hubbard, Elrond uh-huh. Hubbard, Eli, thank you. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Corey from the Brainstorm Podcast, everyone's favorite Canadian skeptical podcast. And even though it took me nearly four years to get this recorded and sent to Noah, I still have nothing particularly witty to say except we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. And maybe some moose, because, you know, Canada. It's December 14th. And suck it, Roy Moore. Suck it hard. <laughs> I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. New York, New York. Secret Lair, Pennsylvania. This is Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Alabama takes out its ponytail and turns out to be super hot all along. <laughs> Alex Jones learns the hard way that his android fuck doll is a homosexual. <laughs> That's a good visual. And Joseph Smith will finally make with the genocide. First, the diatribe. If we take one thing away from all the conservative op-eds about the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, all of the punditry defenses of it. I hope what we take away is that at this point, religion is nothing but organized bigotry. I I mean, think about it. If a politician in today's America wants to reach out to his religious base, wants to get him fired up, the best way to do that is to hate. Right? Hate black people, hate gay people, hate trans people, hate Muslims. You don't mobilize the evangelical base with promises to help the poor, turn the other cheek, and love thy neighbor. You get out the vote by scaring them that gay people are coming for the Christmas. And this isn't something you can pin on Trump's America either, right? Let's not be so naive. This shit didn't start with Twitter. When George W. was facing re-election 2004 in the middle of an increasingly unpopular war, the Republican get-out-the-vote effort was to get anti-gay marriage amendments on every state ballot they could. And while you're out of voting against the gays, you might as well check the box for that Christian freedom guy who tortures Muslims, right? But I'm not naive enough to think Karl Rove was rewriting the playbook back then either. A a listener I met on the Bat Cruise in Austin sent me pictures of a pamphlet distributed back in the 60s by the American Baptist Association that argued forcing states to recognize interracial marriage was against religion and was an anti-religious plot. Quick, somebody dig up George Wallace. Ask him if he thinks that was a winning issue. Look, the decision before the court in this case is whether or not we as a society want to continue to let bigotry hide behind a cross. Religious freedom in this case is unabashedly the freedom to discriminate. And you're a goddamn fool, by the way, if you think they're going to stop at gay weddings that want like custom products. And if you don't believe me, let me quote the pamphlet here for you. Quote. 
prior to this century, neither historical Christianity nor Judaism has held that the integration of the races was necessary to a nation's obeying the laws of God. And the concept and practice of racial integration is heathen in origin and has been primarily promoted by atheism, infidelity, and communism for the past 4,000 years. Communism for 4,000 years. Now, you can plug whatever minority group you want into the crosshairs, and they will. Trust me. Anybody they think they can get away with discriminating against, they're going to discriminate against. And wherever that bigotry goes will be conveniently excused in some interpretation of the Bible. Now, keep in mind, that's a quality unique to holy books. The Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, all of them could theoretically be used to justify pretty much any type of bigotry you wanted. And it's not like that's a common flaw with books in general, right? That's just holy books. You can't do that with Prisoner of Azkaban or Everybody Poops, for example. But every holy book I've read seems almost to go out of its way to keep the hate broad and malleable. Almost like they were designed to do that. And look, from a perspective of social evolution, that's exactly what the holy books were designed to do because that's what the religions were designed to do. You know, even if nobody ever sat in a room and said, how do I make a religion that helps make people hate others? It would have happened through natural selection. I mean, somebody did sit in a room and say that a lot of people in a lot of rooms, I'm sure. But even if they didn't, it would have been the inevitable result because societies spread best when they can talk the individuals into hating other people near and around them. Right. Hating people that are different than them, dehumanizing them when you need their land, dismissing them when they need your help. And it just so happens that religion is really good at doing this, regardless of whatever it originally arose for. I mean, maybe back in the day there were religions that weren't good at otherizing, but that fact alone doomed their adherence to death at the hands of the religious people that were good at that. Right. So we've got this societal man nipple that's been fashioned over thousands of generations to be ever more effective at manipulating us into hating people. You know, turning us against the other and, and, and justifying the mistreatment of our fellow humans. And, and then on the other hand, we've got an increasingly rational, increasingly global society that leaves less and less justification for the hate and the otherization and decreasing amounts of tolerance for it. But luckily for the bigots, we just so happen to have this whole vestigial institution sitting here in the junk drawer in case we someday found a use for it. And now, this is an atheist show, so nobody's going to chime in here and try to argue that there are other uses for religion, too. But even if you could successfully defend that point, it wouldn't fucking matter. The main thing religion does is protect bigotry, and we see that in action in our politics. You can say you care about whatever you want to care about, but when the thing that actually makes you come out and, and, and try to affect social change is always bad, you're bad, it doesn't matter if you also do good stuff sometimes. I, I shouldn't have to say that creating a society-wide judicial safe space for bigots is a bad idea, okay? That's one of those precepts that should never have to be expressed, but it does over and over again. Because sure, Doug Jones squeaked by with a few thousand votes, but we still saw how many Alabamians were willing to overlook some of the most disgusting personal behavior imaginable under the guise of religion. Now, if the religion was really about good morality and shit, that would be a contradiction in terms, right? Vote for the child molester because he's religious. But Roy Moore didn't represent that aspect of the religion. He represented that other far more important one about protecting the Christian right to bigotry. And in case anyone still wants to make the case for Christianity, I should remind you that I'm judging them by their own standards. They chose this shit. I've seen their fruits, and I know them. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are two men who also aren't conceding defeat in the Alabama special election. He's then right to <laughs> Eli Bosnick. Fellas, 
Are you ready to defy the deep state? One of our lawyers is a Mexican. Just for the record, I just wanted everybody to know we have a Mexican lawyer. Is everyone else just picturing Roy Moore just like clinging to a desk while two aides grab his ankles? Doug Jones is just waiting with a cardboard box filled with pictures of his family and desk toys. No, that it's is, fine. I'll, I'll wait. Take your time. That is absolutely happening right now. Yeah, yeah, no, but there's a gun involved, so I've still got a little celebrating to do. I don't know about you guys, so we're going to take a quick break for a word from this week's first sponsor, Blue Apron. We wish you would try Blue Apron. We wish you would try Blue Apron. We wish you would try Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. Say, Anna Bosnick. Yes, Eli Bosnick. Have you ever heard of Blue Apron? Uh, yeah, we use it all the time. It's literally the only reason you eat anything except Chinese food. Okay, just the ad for the ad. No. Oh, um, oh, I mean, no. What is it? Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door. They can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week. And right now, Blue Apron is treating the scathing atheist listeners to their first three meals, a $30 value with your first order, if you visit blueapron.com slash scathing. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash scathing. Wow, that sounds great if you have a husband who can't even cook white rice. Okay, you said you liked it al dente. I lied. We wish you would try Blue Apron. We wish you would try Blue Apron. We wish you would try Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. You like my rice? You're good at other things. Like what? You're funny. I'll take it. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, Protestants in Alabama prove themselves at least a little less willing to overlook child rape than their international Catholic counterparts. So... I want to draw too big a conclusion based on one Senate race, but it turns out the IRA was wrong. Protestantism is better. And we learned that last Tuesday when dark horse (laughs) candidate Doug Jones bested (laughs) sassy horse candidate Roy Moore in a special election in Alabama to see who would take over the seat that Jeff Sessions had vacated. Those asshole hick pieces of shit. Uh, Eli, Eli, that's not what not, it's. I don't rewrite. I don't rewrite. I don't care what happened. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, well, then you must not have been up till 4 a.m. yesterday. Dude, Jesus Christ. I had a different lead story. Now, I'm happy that Roy Moore lost rewrites notwithstanding, but I want to stop short of congratulating Alabama like so many others have done for a 0.7% victory on the side of basic human decency. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, they made the right decision ultimately, but when they were offered a xenophobic, race-baiting, misogynistic, theocratic, homophobic, transphobic, racist, anti-abolitionist who was removed from elected office twice for ethics violations and had multiple credible accusations of child molestation against him, they held on to their now wait a second until the kid raping part. Right. And like just barely with the kid rape part, like really squeaked by on the kid (laughs) rape. Yeah. So good work, I I guess. But it it was like child molester or Democrat. Too slow. Yeah, Too right. Slow. Yeah, exactly. You really got to answer that <laughs> right away. Can we check Doug Jones' email server? No, no. You, it was right away. It was dem- you answered Democrat. 
Yeah, so, you know, whatever. Congratulations, Alabama. You pooped in the grown-up potty of politics for once. But we haven't forgotten that your state ranks 44th in public education, 7th in the murder rate, 44th in high school graduation, 47th in average income, 47th in quality of life, 50th in women's rights, and not coincidentally, 1st in religiosity. Look at that. Yeah, you have the very worst state, and that's in a country where most of the states voted for Donald Trump. So You give weird praise, Noah. I want to give you that note now. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to make it too easy for him, you know? Sure. Now, this <laughs> may not be over. As of this writing, reports are that Moore will not concede in the race and is demanding a recount, saying, quote, when the vote is this close, it's not over, end quote. An assertion that is disputed by Alabama election law, adding, quote, what we've got to do now is wait on God, end quote. And in that, I agree with him. Just wait on God, Roy. You sit right now. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. He'll be right here. And the rest of us can rest assured that you'll be a senator about the same time Jesus returns with that sword in his mouth. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, Jill Stein is uh, actually raising money for a really big mouth shield. So, <laughs> everybody donate. I wanted Andrew so badly joke. to create a GoFundMe that was like, get a recount money and do that to Republicans. Which, uh, but Andrew was like, no, it's fraud unless you're political. I don't want to get into it, but I, the, the answer was no. It was... It was emphatic, emphatic no. Oh, uh, and then I just give it to a trans teen who's been kicked out of their home. Oh, delicious. <laughs> and in down underhanded bigots news tonight, as many of our listeners at home and abroad might be aware, last week, Australia legalized gay marriage, throwing pastors into jail, losing critics their job, and skyrocketing um, rates of child abuse in a matter of weeks. Uh, what? What? Oh, the gay nope. marriage. Every, everyone started fucking their kids that they're allowed to adopt, and everyone who voted no got thrown uh, in jail nope, and they lost their... No, nope, nope, none of that happened. Really? No. None of it? None of it. Nope. Okay, well, wait, what did happen then? Because a I lot of people just, were saying that... No, just Australian gay people can just get married now. Oh, like to straight people, like against their will. Okay, so um, as straight people desperately search no, no, for no, no, no. places... No, to each To each other, just... Gay dudes getting married to each other if they yeah, want. Yeah, or, or lesbians. Right, or, or lesbians. Okay, well, then I don't understand why anyone cared about it to begin with. Me neither, yeah, but it makes absolutely no sense. You, you want to just do your story? I mean, sure, but it doesn't make sense now. Right. Anyway, okay. So, yeah, like, gay people <laughs> can marry each other now. Not sure who, who cared about that. Um Oh, the opposition were like gay guys who were afraid of commitment, right? Is no, that what, Eli, no, that was that was not it either. Just, just do your story, bro. Okay, fine, fine. Anyway, not everyone is happy about the ruling. Most publicly, Nick and Sarah Jensen. Listeners may remember for promising that if gay marriage passed in Australia, <laughs> oh yeah, they would the best. they would get a divorce. That's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, and this week, they announced, much like certain fundraising platforms, Baxies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a do-over. The sun was in their eyes. It doesn't count. Yeah, okay. right, right. No, but, but the good news is Baxi's are legal now. They did a referendum. Okay. <laughs> right. So here's the catch to their protest to divorce they were planning. <laughs> See, Australia prohibits legal divorces when the couple still plans to live together and have children and be married. See, the law... <laughs> Requires couples to be separated and live apart for a full year before the government will grant a divorce. 
And Nick and Sarah didn't want to do that. They wanted to burn their marriage license like a Freeman on the land burning his social security <laughs> Yeah, right, <card>. right. <laughs> yeah, when those g- gay c- capital letter corporate entities are allowed to marry, that ruins the verb <laughs> for everybody else. That's fair. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Almost like this process wasn't designed to facilitate homophobic show tantrums. Mm, yeah. Weird. Marriage is so that grandpa can leave your inheritance to a pole dancer named Carol who loves him for his mind. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> so with their protests smashed like their hopes and dreams this week, they offered this public and hopefully final statement. Quote, my previous public comments regarding civil divorce never envisaged me separating from my wife but rather our marriage from the state. This legislation <laughs> currently makes it untenable for us to do this under the law. And here's the part I imagine he screamed through a bedroom door. <laughs> uh, the point we were highlighting, and that still seems, however, is the fact that a redefinition of marriage changes the agreement under which we were originally married. We will be making no further comment. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> So it's like they're both afraid of the new butt sex requirement. It's going to be an adjustment period. I get yeah, it. Yeah. No, yeah. Butt sex, just during your period. Right? No. <laughs> right? Is that what we were advocating? That's what I'm advocating. advocating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. right. We're not not advocating. <laughs> See? See, so often I advocate something on the show and you guys are like, no, no, you can't say that. It's true about Gorsuch, but that's absolutely a felony. And then <laughs> now we're all on board. And with that, Hopefully Nick and Sarah can go back to being those people who people ask, hey, weren't you those assholes who said they'd get divorced if other people were allowed to get married and then changed your mind about it at parties? Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) And in Schoolhouse Croc News, Betsy DeVos is an ignorant, spoiled reverse centaur who's (laughs) doing her best to turn the American public school system into a giant Bible seminary. Isn't she, though? Yeah, and uh, not surprisingly, that's helping pave the way for Christian fundamentalist groups to sneak into public schools and spread their propaganda. Or in some cases, apparently be openly invited somehow by those public schools. And one of the worst examples of this that we've seen recently is the Todd Becker Foundation, which performs school assemblies and, of course, cures gay people. Jesus Christ. At the assemblies, because that is a weird hypnotism act. I'm going to call it right. I do a lot of high schools, and that's a weird hypnotism act. When I count to three, you'll take a penis and like it. Yeah. Ugh. No, it's even worse as a hypnotism act than as an Alabama campaign slogan. <laughs> All right, so here's a little background on the Todd Becker Foundation. Todd Becker is a kid who died at age 18 in a tragic car accident that involved alcohol. And... Th- that's why everyone needs to stop being gay. Is, is it? The, the alcohol was homosexual. Oh, no, oh, I see. Um, yeah. So this group goes into schools. They, apple uh, they uh, preach about the Bible and apparently argue away the gay. In one of their recent newsletters, they proudly announced how they ended a lesbian relationship. Here's the exact words. Quote, through much more conversation and many tears, one of the girls said, I don't want to be homosexual anymore. I want to become a new creature. However, her partner replied, I'd rather burn in hell forever than be straight. Their lesbian relationship ended that night with one heart surrendered to Christ and one heart still in rebellion towards God. End quote. And they bragged about it. Also, we poked a puppy in the eye that night. Little fucker never saw it coming. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) 
Well, now, since she said she wants to be a different creature, she could just want to be a manticore. So I withhold judgment. <laughs> we don't know. What a weird what weakness happened? is when you're a manticore, though. How do you shave? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Carefully. <laughs> obviously, anyone who's read past the very first right in the bill of those things that we have <laughs> is aware that this is illegal. Yeah, it is. And that's why both the ACLU and the FFRF have both made official complaints about the foundation. Yet somehow... They seem to be continuing their operation, arguing that the proselytizing is all spontaneous, student-led conversations, which are totally legal. As in, okay, so that was our song about Leviticus. Everyone spontaneously, right now, break up into one-on-one preaching pairs. <laughs> also, above nothing, we're going to put this big basket of rocks right here at the front of the room. And yeah, spontaneous like that. And now that Eli knows somebody's pulled off a butt sex just naturally came up in conversation with those children defense. I feel like we need to take a moment to talk him down. So we're going to pause for a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. So man. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. It is a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in misogyny. So Tuesday was a hell of a day. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but it almost felt like the wave broke and started rolling back. Maybe that's wishful thinking, sure. But when's the last time any of us had an excuse for wishful thinking, right? Even that's a small victory in this fucked up year. So yeah, I gritted my teeth through the election results on Tuesday, just sure I was going to have to come on today and channel the fiery rage of a thousand sons about the goddamn child molester getting elected. But I didn't. At the last minute, the decent human being won, even though he believed in women's reproductive rights. But that wasn't the only good news of the day. Because before the polls closed that day, Merriam-Webster announced their word of the year for 2017. And despite the obituaries for it that have filled my inbox since we started doing this segment, their word of the year this year is feminism. And look, I get the word feminism has become a bit of a taboo. Part of the reason I started this segment was in an effort to rehabilitate it. And from my perspective, it was easy to lose track of the fact that it was really only the word that was suffering. Because a quick glance at 2017 shows that the concept of feminism is stronger than it has ever been. From the record-breaking women's marches that ushered the year in to the cavalcade of shamed-faced men retreating quietly from the allegations of sexual abuse and harassment that's closing it off, 2017 has shown us the power of feminism. And make no mistake, as narrow as the victory was in Alabama, it was the feminist issues that tipped the balance. And it was the female vote that carried Doug Jones over the finish line. According to Merriam-Webster, feminism was the most looked up word this year on their online dictionary, with searches up 70% from last year. And while I'm sure a good chunk of that was based on shitlords needing it for Twitter fights, there's no doubt that a lot of that is driven by people picking back up that word and wondering why we ever let it get so dusty. Now, I get it. We still have a serial sex abuser in the White House and Planned Parenthood is picking its way through the legislative equivalent of the Goonies cave. A man with multiple credible child molestation accusations damn near went to the Senate. Women's rights haven't been in this much danger in the U.S. in my lifetime. But like I said, it kind of feels like the wave broke. And maybe 2018 is the year it rolls back. Thank you, Lucinda. 
And in with one arm tithed behind your back news tonight in an effort to retroactively justify how considerate my eulogy won't be, host of the 700 Club and racist droopy dog with the bends, Pat Robertson took to the airwaves to remind the world that he's still a rapacious, merciless fraud without a shred of compassion for his victims. This was on full display once more when a viewer who was on unemployment called to ask if she still had to give 10% of that money to her church. <sighs> Guess what he said? Uh... I saw a colored in the front of the bus today. A colored, <laughs> That's a good guess. <laughs> uh, Chinese people don't use lines well. Jesus <laughs> What is that well, mean? I'm not sure either what do you of mean? those. What does is... it mean? You know exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. Everyone pretends they don't know what it means. They know what it means. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm honestly not going to say that either of your answers is worse than what he actually said. So here's a quote. <laughs> quote. I think if you do, there's a blessing that God gives. If you do give the 10%, that is. Th there is a blessing that God gives that will be given to you. So I think if you have unemployment, and I hope you don't have to have it for long, you lazy anchor baby having crack prostitute. That last bit was just <laughs> implied. Anyway, he continues. But once you have, you want God to prosper you and give you employment. So you have to do something and you can have funds if you can help others. That's a sentence, by the way. I, that's what oh, is he it done. Yeah, no. He anyway. <laughs> he concludes. So we give out that which God's given us. Why not? End quote. I mean, I get it though. She's got the unemployment money and the crack whore money. So, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. This hey, is a, a weird Patreon pitch, you guys. Can I just give you that note? This is a weird <laughs> way for us to segue. I mean, so, I like it, but it's a weird way to segue. <laughs> So remember, boys and girls, not only are faith-based initiatives no real substitute for public assistance, but they also actively decrease its effectiveness if you listen to assholes like P-Robes or the dickhead preacher that mentioned what a penny pincher my wife's grandma was in her eulogy. And by the way, on an unrelated note, if Pat Robertson isn't the next serial sexual harasser, it's only because his earlobes have gotten so much wind resistance at this point that he's fucking up his mobility <laughs> with them. It's so goddamn creepy. Just walking down a hallway towards his secretary with his hands outstretched, but he's fighting a wind tunnel. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. His cheek skin and earlobes could land a satellite on re-entry. <laughs> oh. getting crazy. Like, that would almost be such a better use of them. Everybody almost wins a taco. <laughs> <laughs> that was from a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It was, but I remember. Almost all won a taco. And in Muhammad, leader of the Jandal News tonight. I love this so much. <laughs> what? <I'm> so <laughs> what? A substitute teacher <laughs> in Texas reportedly called the police to report that a six-year-old in her special needs <laughs> class was a terrorist. What? The dumbest thing that's ever happened. Hey, hello, police. I got an autistic kid. He refuses to look me in the eye. What's he hiding? <laughs> so, according to the teacher's report, the six-year-old who has Down syndrome was saying the words Allah and boom, which is why she went ahead and called the police. What? Because I'm guessing this person needed backup for the six-year-old with Downs. Yeah, right. And then a white kid said bye-bye, so she reported him to the FTC. <laughs> then a black kid offered her a Skittle, and she shot him in the face. <laughs> it's not clear how quickly she escalates. So, so there's just one problem with her story. Uh, the little boy who she says said Allah and boom can't speak. 
What? That is a problem. So the chances that his first words ever were Allah and boom. (laughs) Oh, my God. Seem unlikely. (laughs) Now, to be fair, other reports say that she claimed to the police that he sexually harassed her, which, again, seems unlikely in a nonverbal six-year-old with downs. (laughs) Police show up. She's got him tied down under the water fountain. He still won't talk. He won't talk. Yeah. You guys However, <laughs> despite the insanity of this claim, it didn't stop Child Protective Services from visiting the kid's home. And the CPS investigation now remains open because you can't just be like, oh, sorry, that was a crazy person. So because some crazy asshole substitute teacher didn't like that a kid was named Muhammad, his entire family has to deal with CPS for the foreseeable future. So Jesus. Look out for that teacher's run for Senate next year, I guess. I mean, she lose, <laughs> but just barely. Yeah, yeah, because I hear she had a sexual encounter with a six-year-old. <laughs> Fatal. And finally tonight, from the Gaius Ex Machina file, host of InfoWars, rejected third stooge, and arch nemesis of disgruntled slingshot birds everywhere, Alex Jones, <laughs> has a new theory about why gay people are a problem for society. And, uh, Boozy brunch. He, he <laughs> Alex Jones puts a lot of work into these, so let's take it seriously. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. According to Alex Jones, by letting gay people exist, we're already well on our way to teaching our kids to fuck a toaster instead of a person. That's okay. I, f- I feel a exaggeration. I feel warm. <laughs> Almost too warm, but not quite. <laughs> so, uh, Here's how he gets there. Going to connect those dots. Go right ahead. (laughs) During a recent uh, pre-infarction rant that he loves to have, Jones explained (laughs) that the gay community has a secret plot to make a bunch of money on fuck robots, which is admittedly a great plan. Yeah, no. Um, Mm -hmm. And apparently that entire industry sends all the profits to the big gay bank account that the gay people all have together, I guess. And even worse, Jones is pretty sure that schools are now teaching little kids that there's a new sexual orientation called I I like putting my dick inside of a machine. I don't... Okay. But let's be real here for just a second. Sex robots, like real sex robots, they're going to change the game, okay? I've seen Westworld, and it was awesome. Okay, you you have not seen... Westworld. Okay, I have not seen Westworld, but it sounds awesome for the robots. I feel like the awesome <laughs> okay, well, the robots are having a great... It's not... No, not awesome for the robots. No. no. <laughs> Eli would be the first customer to get kicked out of Westworld for pretending that he was one of the fuckbots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just painting it all silver. Eli, this isn't how it works. Oh, I am pleasure unit. You're bleeding a lot, pleasure unit. <laughs> All right. New show. New show. (laughs) Also, uh, getting back to Alex Jones, uh, again, really not exaggerating. Uh, Here's some of the exact words. Quote, they're now saying sex with machines or sex with cars or sex with appliances. There's a whole big movement where people are marrying their cars, marrying their toasters, marrying their dogs, their cats, their horses. I'm not kidding. End quote. You're kidding. No, Mm -hmm. you are kidding. 
Ugh, I hate those. Your dog is not your baby. People, it's like, yeah, my dog's not my baby. Neither is your adopted kid. But I comment that on your <laughs> Facebook photo, and suddenly I'm the bad guy, right? Yeah, so it's you, like you are. Well, that's fair. Bad that's guy. fair, right? I don't. You guy. sound like 147 commenters. <laughs> <laughs> Jones also added, "Quote: They're catching people in public places trying to have sex with a Ferrari or trying to have sex with a 57 Chevy." I'm not going to get into the details of what they do, but uh, here they are. The details. <laughs> that he's obviously about they lube up the tailpipe and everything. And then the police come up and there's a guy hunching your car. End quote. Uh, sir, are you stealing that car? <laughs> yep. S- stealing it. Please arrest me for stealing this car. <laughs> right, right out there stealing. I want you to see you right stealing on the report. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Alex Jones is being persecuted as a result of all this. Is he? He further complained, quote, if you don't let somebody have sex with your car, you're a homophobe now. You're a bigot. (laughs) You're a horrible person. By the way, this is not satire. I'm not kidding here. This is what they're teaching kids now, end quote. Okay. All right. I'm most of the way convinced. I mean, well, I mean, clearly people are fucking cars and toasters in public and we've got to do something about it. <laughs> he said it. He, he made it clear he wasn't kidding. Yeah, no, it was not serious. satire. But um, <laughs> but I'm not sure he's tied this together with gay marriage. I mean, I, I, I'm not seeing a cause and effect. Like, I would fuck a car regardless. I was fucking cars before Obergefell. Yes. Yeah, so uh, gay people are a gateway drug to gay dudes fucking Alex Jones's car. Or, okay, I, I there it goes. No, okay, okay you've, you've really it. tied it together yeah. now. Right, yeah. I would fuck Alec Jones's car, <laughs> but given the opportunity to be No, fair. you're right. Yeah, we all would. We all would. Fair, fair. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what his opinion on dual exhaust would be. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure he'd be super confused, though, and also aroused, uh, as much as that's possible with all the, the blood in his face. Anyway, uh, regardless... We're obviously going to take a little time to help out the gay people with the marketing oh, on course, their whole yes. scheme. So let's put 10 seconds on the clock. Because we can do whatever we're, the fuck we want. Gonna, we God can sometimes do this, sometimes not. Sometimes 10 seconds. You don't know. Yeah. Anyway, ad slogans for the vehicular butt sex fuck robot. Obviously, go. Oh, um, putting the bum back in Bumblebee. <laughs> uh, the Boyota butt roller. <laughs> All right. No, I, I'll do one for you. Like. Um, sexist, the relentless pursuit of a rectum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, more than meets the brown eye. <laughs> Transformer. And now that everybody's gotten their requisite weekly dose of Transformer porn in their mind, I suppose we can kill the hell lines right there. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Nope. And nope. when we come back. <laughs> can't not say yeah, any no, of you that. Can't. No, can't it was, say it was, any it of that. just be beeps and stuff like that. You can't even say the first <laughs> syllable. And when we come back, the knee fights are fucked. Dashing through the snow to send out all my gifts. Waiting in long lines, waiting through snow drifts. A better way to ship and send gifts home to mom is here. And now I have no fear because I'm using stamps.com. Oh, stamps.com, stamps.com, shipping the easy way. Buy and print right at your desk and enjoy the holidays. This holiday season, I'm using stamps.com to send all my holiday gifts because it's easy, quick, and keeps me out of the cold. Right now, you too can enjoy Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without the long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com, enter scathing. 
Stamps.com, Stamps.com, shipping the easy way. Buy and print right at your desk and enjoy the holidays. When I logged on to Facebook on Monday, it came up with one of those little memories from a year ago where apparently I posted that I'd finally finished the goddamn Quran. That was December 11th of last year, and here it is December 14th, and we've still got three goddamn books to go in the Book of Mormon. So I'm not sure if the math holds up exactly, but I think we just scientifically proved that there's more bullshit in the Book of Mormon than even Muhammad could manage. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, Quran Peace Theater was just giving Heath moonshine and quaaludes and turning on the recorder. So it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> One of my friends is a Jew, just for the record. <laughs> just to be way. clear, just, yeah. So everybody knows. And of course, rejoining us after a sad and prolonged hiatus is my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. It's great to be back, except that part where I have to read the book of fucking Mormon. Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we're actually going to be breaking down the titular Book of Mormon. That is the Book of Mormon in the Book of Mormon, which is titled Mormon. <laughs> of course it is. So we start off by Mormon announcing that he is now writing the book. But he undercuts the shit out of his own account by admitting that he just started trying to remember shit when he was 10, but he didn't write any of it down for 14 years. Right. God's like, hey, Mormon, uh, actually, never mind. We'll talk in a decade and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Amaron hid the shit that we've read up to this point, and then he just plucks out a 10-year-old kid at random, and he says, hey, I perceive, and this is a quote, I perceive thou art a sober child and art quick to observe, end quote, and proceeds to give him a lifelong charge of recording Nephite history because he's 10 years old and he's not on the bottle yet. <laughs> okay, so what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, well, I was thinking I'd be a farmer or a keeper of the Nephite record for all of history. Great answer. <laughs> I got an awesome surprise for you, Don't buddy. <laughs> And, and if Mormon had to describe the lands of South Zarahemla back in those days in a single word, he'd go with megalopolis. <laughs> in the 4th century CE in the Americas. Yeah. Okay. Bunch of Lamanites handing out CDs in Times Square. <laughs> so, Pan of course, bands. war breaks out immediately with the Lamanites, but this time it's all out. It's the Nephites, the Jacobites, the Josephites, and the Zoramites going up against the Lamanites and the Lemuelites and the Insecticons and the Constructicons all out fucking rumble. <laughs> so he sets up this war. Then he says, and the Nephites won and there was peace for four years. Dismisses the whole war with a sentence so he can skip ahead four years to the next war. Yeah, what? Why? You, you gotta <laughs> wonder why Joe, who... Very clearly, he made this all up. Yeah. Why would he need a war that didn't matter in his book? It's Again. your book. Why would you put filler in your fictional book? Just yeah. go to the one that matters. matters. Yeah, exactly. Right. But in this war, you see, the Nephites were being too stiff-necked and iniquitous, so the Lord didn't give them any cheat codes. <laughs> and, of course, Mormon knows the cheat codes, but uh, he's not allowed to give them to anybody because they're so stiff-necked. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. Cool. And, and he's 15 at this point, and he goes and, real quote, tasted and knew the goodness of Jesus, end quote. Lovely. So Jesus can run for senator in Alabama, yeah. I guess. That's good yeah. <laughs> Right. So Mormon goes to tell all the Nephites about tasting Jesus, but then, quote, my mouth was shut. <laughs> Nobody will ever believe you. I'm going to almost win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be way closer than you think. Yeah, than you want. yeah. So speaking of which, the Lamanites start winning. 
and the Gadianton Robertson Festival. And I want to draw attention to a, a bit in chapter one, verse 18, because we encountered this before. The Gadiantons were buried in their treasure all around, but God was so pissed at them that he made the underground slippery so their treasure sunk down and they couldn't get anymore. And I only point this out because it's been brought to my attention that this was a ruse people like Joe Smith would use when they're dousing stones or whatever, would say treasure was in a certain place and then they dug really far and it wasn't. Like they 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 turn to the sucker they duped into paying for the dig and they say, well, God must have gotten pissed and made the underground too slippery. Probably because you didn't believe in us hard enough. And and that's an insight into Joey's mind that I think we should all like draw a circle around, take a moment with. And that explains why nobody's ever found the Oak Island treasure. <laughs> right. Mormon. Yeah. LDS people should really put some money into that. They should start <laughs> digging. But anyway, back in the story, witchcraft, sorcery, and magics are everywhere, and all of the lands of Nephi have gone to shit. Yeah. Okay, I'm just picturing ancient Mormon me shuffling cards while some guy conjures a demon, just like, <laughs> okay, demon's pretty cool, but eight of diamonds? Uh, no. Damn it. <laughs> Should have gone, gone with demons. So then we get to chapter two, where the Nephites decide Mormons should lead their army. And that's a hell of a lucky coincidence considering, you know, him having been randomly chosen to write the history. Yeah, right. Um, lucky Worked break out. for us, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Also lucky because he's not a prophet, right? Like, he hasn't done anything to deserve this. No. He hasn't done any prophecy. They were just like, hey, 15-year-old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and Mormon is such an inspiring leader, by the way, that at the age of 16, when his army meets the Lamanites in the field, the Lamanites say boo, and his guys, like, run to the hills and scatter. Yeah, and uh, they go north and west. So just remember, Canadians, they're just peaceful Mormons. That's, <laughs> that's how they happened. That actually makes a lot of sense. No, it does. Sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really don't get this book. Mormon is basically bragging about what a shitty general he is. This yeah. whole chapter is a list of battles he lost. But it's presented like, uh, and you guys are so sinful that I got my ass kicked in Angola and Joshua and David. Yeah, right, and, right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so but then he finally wins a battle. He takes care to point out that his forces were outnumbered 42,000 to 44,000. That's such a lame You're just thing. making shit up. Why not make it a significant number? He's like, all right, 42,000 to 45,000. Well, no, hold on, hold on. Let's keep this book believable. <laughs> 44,000. They'll yeah, believe that. Exactly. Be reasonable. So the Nephites all repent, but they repent wrong, of course. So God <laughs> still doesn't forgive them. Yeah. See, according to the book, the problem was their sorrow was the sorrow of the damned. Quote, mm -hmm. they did not come unto Jesus with broken hearts and contrite spirits, but they did curse God and wish to die. End quote. The Eli Bosnick story. Just saying, <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's right this book speaks book to me, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, this brings us to the point in the story where he turns 24 and has to go get the plates Amron hid. And it just so happens his army is retreating to that very spot. Huh. Very convenient. <laughs> Yeah. Pull over, pull over. This is perfect. This is perfect. I got to dig up some plates. They're literally right there. Right there. Oh, hello, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. right. Did you get a box of something? All right, cool. And, and then the Nephites start winning battles and take back all the lands they lost. So that chapter meant nothing. Nope. No need for chapter two. <laughs> then chapter three starts with a 10-year break from all the battles. But sure enough, here come the Lamanites again because Joseph Smith literally never thought of another thing that could ever happen. <laughs> exactly. <in his> story. <laughs> it's just been that since page one. And Jesus. 
And, and Mormon realizes that the people aren't godly enough, so we get a quick montage where he tries to Jesus them up a bit, but it's too little, too late. All right, just chasing around a chicken with a crucifix on its neck. <laughs> <laughs> Painting them all white with rollers. <laughs> but the Lamanites are super polite about the war here, but apparently their king sent a, we're going to attack you, Graham, before yes. it happened. Okay, I'm going to attack one... Two. <laughs> oh, no, Two. And, and the Nephites win again, despite all their iniquity. So Mormon God is proving himself to be wholly unnecessary for military victory, even in his own book. Right. Or or it could have something to do with the Lamanite army having the enthusiastic consent approach to war. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Nephites get so haughty and wicked that Mormon takes his commission and goes home and refuses to lead the armies anymore. Yeah, well, in, in Mormon's logic here is, he's like, look, I'm not going to keep bailing you out if you all don't join my religion afterwards. I would rather see you die and our people get wiped off the earth because I'm the good guy. The good guy. <laughs> yeah. God's like, all right, I'm going to kill everyone without a ball. And Mormon's like, okay, this is actually pretty funny. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. But instead of telling us what happened to the leaderless army in their next battle with the Lamanites, the book just takes an eight-verse Muhammad-like diversion to say, and by the way, don't think the Jews are getting off light in the afterlife just because Jesus had a mitzvah. And because Joseph Smith completely lacks descriptive skills here, he tells us the blood and guts and shit couldn't be described, but assures us that the massacre is the most worst one in the whole <laughs> book. Yeah. And lo, it came to pass that Pew, blast, boom, Oh, no, no. Also, the Lamanites are burning women and children to their idols at this point. Now, I know the Nephites aren't tithing enough. Their necks aren't as flexible as God likes, but he's starting to seem like a third-party voter here. <laughs> Just sitting up in heaven, so they're burning people, but Doug Jones doesn't support Medicare for all. I'm going to write in Mickey Mouse. <laughs> And just when it seems like the Nephites are going to win after all, they don't. Nope. And the Lamanites send out an army so big that they, quote, were not numbered because of the greatness of their number. What? End quote. <laughs> so, infinity. That's how many of them are. Infinity. <laughs> infinity warriors. Yeah. So, yeah, shit gets real. The Lamanites start winning for reals now. Uh, so, Mormon grabs the plates and hauls ass northward. Yeah, to, to go find the plates. Did, that yeah. He already found a couple chapters ago. Waste. Uh, maybe he's checking on. Uh, maybe he's checking on the backup plate. He's <laughs> like a backup plate. That would make perfect. You want those redundant? Yeah, that's yeah, good. Exactly. That's good. All right, we get to chapter five where Mormon goes around saying how super sorry he is about everybody's kids and wives getting burned to death, and says he'll lead the army again now. Yeah, of course, the, the people still didn't repent, and Mormon is a crappy leader, even by his own telling, so that doesn't shift the fortunes of war or anything. The Nephites just continue to get their asses kicked, this time under Mormon. Right. <laughs> Guys, Mormon's back. Let's let's all get our asses kicked for Jesus now. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> That'll be a fun change. And once again, Joey has to explain why he isn't telling you all of the awesome shit. He's got a whole bit where Mormon says, and the blood and guts were way cooler and gorier than I'm telling you. Trust me, they were way fucked up. But I'm not going to bore you with that shit anyway. More about how repentant everybody was. It, right, wasn't. yeah. 
Which is followed, by the way, by a, a long monologue about how if only some righteous white Christian people should arrive in this land a thousand years from now or so. And by the way, <laughs> if the abject racism of this book isn't clear enough, this part about the filthy Lamanites burning women and children as they murder all of the white people is Joseph Smith's fanfic origin story of the Native Americans. Yeah, let's yeah. keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, yeah, the quote here is, for his people shall be scattered and shall become a dark, a filthy, and a loathsome people beyond the description of that which ever hath been amongst us. Yea, even that which hath been among the Lamanites, and this because of their unbelief and idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about this part. It used to be in the description of the chapter in the Book of Mormon until 2010. Jesus. 2010 really? is when they took that description of Lamanites out of the official Book of Mormon. Wow. Because they're well, progressive. Just out of the chapter oh, yeah. description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. It's still there. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for the final fucking battle. We reached the hill of Camorra, not Gamora, mind you. Camorra. Yeah, no. Uh, sorry, Joe, did you say that this place is called Camorra? Yeah, way worse than Gamora. Come, Aura, trust me. <laughs> so, so yeah, Mormon sends a final battle invite to the uh, to the King of Lamanites, and and he RSVPs apparently. Okay, wait, did he RSVP on Facebook? Because apparently that doesn't mean anything, Heath. Dude, I said I was sorry. I don't. I made on. so much bean dip. How <laughs> how much bean dip did you think I was going to eat? <laughs> so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Mormon buries the book he's <laughs> writing. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, wait, wait. Good point. Yes. At this point, midway through the chapter, he tells us about burying the book he's now writing. Yes. <laughs> and then he carries on with what happened next. And after I stopped writing this, <laughs> dot, dot, yeah. And, and, and of course, this is when the Lamanites march through and kill all but two dozen of the Nephites. Right. And let's talk about how impossible this is. Right. So. By the number Joseph gives, at least one million Nephites had to, quote, die by the sword, end quote, which again, didn't exist yet, Not in a America, single no. day, and leave no trace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the Lamanites didn't have enough gasoline. Uh, <laughs> Lamanites don't burn that hot. <laughs> yes. People in armor and shit must have been so biodegradable back then. They were forward thinking. It was a green economy. I'm just telling you, wheat shields are underrated. <laughs> Must be. And when Mormon looks over the 100,000 plus slain Nephites, his reaction, of course, is to say, see, this is what you get for not being Christian, you stupid assholes. <laughs> right. Because he's the good guy. He's the good guy. Yeah. But as if to prove the Mormons are the cockroaches of evangelism, even after the Lamanites kill hundreds of thousands of them, Mormon and his kid pop up to bitch at them for being so wicked and sinful. He does. Dude, we just killed a million of you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you missed me. Now stop being black or red or whatever. <laughs> it's unclear. And we, we cannot overemphasize how anti-Semitic this book gets in this chapter. Over and over again, it says, and don't forget, Jews killed Jesus. That was the Jews. And it's never for any reason, right? Like, just all of a sudden and out of nowhere, it'll be like, and it came to pass that the Lamanites overrun us at Tiancom. And if you think about it, the Jews started that war, too. And we did regather our forces in the land of Shiblam. <laughs> I, I feel like Joe was denied a loan during this chapter. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
Mormon's wife holds a press conference. One of our lawyers helped kill Jesus, just so <laughs> you know. <laughs> to be clear. He also tells the Lamanites here, oh, and in 1,100 years, white people will show up with a Bible, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, you should totally <laughs> listen to those white people. There's also a quick aside about how, uh, and if you believe in that book, that Bible, which you should, obviously you can't help but logically believe in this one, too. And I guess it's only now that Joy realizes the buried plates thing creates a logistical issue here. So now Maroney takes over and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm writing extra plates now that I'll later bury with those first ones you read. <laughs> yes. So that this will make what? sense. Right. But he mentions that he's like literally running out of room on the plates. He's like writing this shit in the margin. Yeah. <laughs> and you're allowed to be a Russian spy at the end. <laughs> and by the time he has a spare plate carving minute the, the other 23 surviving nephites have apparently been hunted down and killed so now it's just him he's the last one maroni also wants to make it clear that there's still an even bigger apocalypse on the way mm -hmm. so you know god will have his revenge eventually yeah one of these yeah. days and then we get this crazy awkward transition where he says and now i'm talking to you future people i know it's going to seem weird <laughs> for me to give contemporary commentary about your present day churches from 400 CE where I am and everything. But trust me, God showed me 1829 and you guys are all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> Doing it right at all. We did not need a Will and Grace reboot. That is the next 40 chapters. <laughs> <laughs> we did. It's a great reboot. Great but job. he saves the last chapter for the atheist and the unbelievers where he offers up such nuanced theological challenges like, I bet you won't be so atheist when the rapture happens, bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. If God isn't real, what are you going to tell him when he comes back is an actual <laughs> argument in this book. Yeah. Yeah. But you won't say that to his face. Um, he, he also points out that being a Mormon is better than dwelling in a hell for eternity, which is a slogan I think the LDS should have stuck with. <laughs> Mormonism, at least a little more fun than hell. <laughs> Way more fun. Unless it's the hell from uh, Bedazzled. Yeah. Oh, because of Elizabeth Hurley's giant yes, boobs? Yes, because of Brendan Fraser's giant boobs. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what did you say? What did we say? And in his getting into heaven instructions here, he's sure to point out that being white helps. Yeah. Definitely he, a good thing. He also points out that it's impossible to read the scriptures and not come away believing in them, which, I mean, we, we still got two chapters left. I don't want to prejudice our experiment here, but I'm having a healthy suspicion maybe he's wrong. <laughs> Uh, what we're saying is I'm a Mormon reserving judgment. What? <laughs> <laughs> he also points out the atheist God can't even perform miracles. So Mormon God would clearly beat him in a fight. <laughs> the atheist right. God. Another good apo uh, uh, apologetic that he offers up. If you don't believe in Christ, who do you think redeemed mankind's sin through their ultimate suffering checkmate? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And if you think that's stupid, wait until he gets to the, okay, then who's multiplied all those fishes? Bit, yeah, a couple exactly. of verses. Yeah, this chapter is slowly turning into a more honest version of the conversation your uncle is going to make you have at Christmas by the second. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's also a mandate in here for Mormons to, quote, preach the gospel to every creature, end quote, which makes you wonder who ministers to termites and shit. Right. He... <laughs> Heath, if you were a Mormon, you could be a missionary to uh, dogs. I'm so in. <laughs> Had me at Mormon. <laughs> All right, so then we get a list of Christianity powers, including, but not limited to, spontaneous language genesis, casting out of devils, serpent immunity, invulnerability to poison, and infinite healing powers. 
detestable claims. <laughs> but you can't look. Stop yeah. looking. It's the Mormon un- uncertainty principle. It's like peeing. It's just like peeing. <laughs> That's why all- I never look when I pee. <laughs> <laughs> There's also an out of the blue ham-fisted thing in here about how they couldn't write their plates in Hebrew because they didn't have room. So they used Egyptian hieroglyphs to conserve space. Yeah, what? <laughs> I get it. I mean, to be fair, this whole book pretty much fits into a single picture of a dude dickishly wagging his finger at the Cleveland Indians mascot. Like, that's the book. You don't need... It's just that anything. one hieroglyph. <laughs> that means Book of Mormon. And that's where we're going to close things off for the night. Looks like we will not be able to wrap this fucking book up in 2017, which is a shame because 2017 kind of owes us some good news eventually. But we're going to be back in three weeks with the book of Ether, or we'll just huff Ether instead. Find out in three weeks when the book of Mormons (laughs) returns. Before we lower the lights and put on something a little more comfortable tonight, I wanted to take a second to address some weird shit with Patreon. Earlier this month, they announced an upcoming change in how they were going to charge patrons, and it was a bad idea that got called out as such far and wide. Um, And Patreon heard our voices. They backed off of the fee change. It's not going to happen. So if you canceled your pledge because of this, or if you made any changes to your pledge because of this, or if you were going to donate to Patreon and then you heard about all this and decided not to, the fee change will not be taking place as a person that uh, makes the bulk of his living through Patreon. This is kind of important to me. Anyway, that's all the blast we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. An even newer episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Boos, debuting 24 hours after that. And a yet even still newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, I wouldn't be keeping in the spirit of the season if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for taking on a huge amount of my work while I was sick uh, and also taking on the huge amount of work he always just takes on because he's Heath. I need to thank the lovely Eli Bosnick for not quite saying anything that got us sued while I wasn't on GAM this week. I want to thank Andrew Torres of the Opening Arguments podcast for making sure of that. Also need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for kicking shit right back into gear when she got back and also a kind of ridiculous number of presents under the tree for me. I need to thank her for that. Can't figure out what the long flat one is. No fucking clue. It's a really weird shape. Also, I want to thank Corey from the Brainstorm Podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote and demonstrating our show's international appeal in so doing. If you need a little bit more Canadian skepticism in your life, be sure to check the show notes for a link to his podcast. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people. Only I can't do it by name because all the changes with Patreon have caused a flurry of canceled pledges, adjusted pledges, and weird shit that's going to make it uh, take at least another week for me to pick through and figure out what actually is and isn't a new pledge. But I promise I'll get you thanked by name and properly complimented next week. If I fail to, let me know and I'll correct it in an upcoming episode. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark. And uh, he also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Right sexy. on top. That was that mm. really was. You just drove it right in there, Eli. And sometimes you think you're going to need lube, and you don't. And that was oh. one of those moments. You just and, and I stopped Ooh. understanding. Ah, that was nice. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> it's going to make sense to like three listeners. I cracked myself up with you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The important thing is that we're having fun. All right. Quick scat.
All right. Well, that's official. You're the hype man for the intro forever now. There's no way around you not doing that forever now. Just okay. So you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Your words on the page. You can read the words on the page every time. It always will lead you correctly. You don't have to make up your own words. You also fucked it up. So we're just going to, never mind. All right. This is take two. Everything's che- I feel like we should check if Christianity like quit the religion before we start the episode. <laughs> yeah. Everything's changing. <laughs> Maybe. And now back to <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't even know. This is space and then not. Oh, we do two there. Two spaces there. <laughs> Why would there be two, two spaces? Two lots because it's, it's a new to- segment. We're, we're moving to. De- it's like the. Who is intro. that for? Is that for us? We it's, don't know. It's, that it's, it's a new segment. It's for proper formatting that we do the same. Yeah, you know what? You're right, Eli. Well, why would we? Why would we even need space there? We could just do that. <laughs> You'll never outdo me on the why do we need spaces thing. That is a gambit that will go. Right. That is the gay chicken of our show. You can put all the words together. Get rid of all the spaces, Noah. I read my notes. <laughs> The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.